Welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. My name is Brett Craig, and here's my story. I'm a former chief creative officer that worked at two of the biggest ad agencies on the West Coast for some of the most famous brands in the world. About two years ago, I was canceled for a five-year-old casting email that someone posted on Instagram. I used some imperfect language. It was taken out of context, and it all happened in the middle of the racial tensions of 2020. Not good. The social media mobbing that ensued in the comment section below my email posted on Instagram caused me to lose my job and to be called some rather ugly names that I never thought I'd be called. Suddenly, I went from the top of my career to no career at all. Canceled. Even friends that supported me privately wouldn't come near me publicly. I'm a Christian, and I do believe that God is working all things together for my good, but it was quite honestly one of the most devastating experiences of my life. But it was also strangely liberating. I woke up to a new world, full of uncertainty, but also full of opportunity. The opportunity to do something in short supply in the corporate world today. Tell the truth. I no longer had to be conflicted promoting ideas I don't agree with, and in these times of deceit, I counted a privilege to be able to speak honestly. That's what the AdWoke podcast is all about. I'm gonna give it to you straight. We're gonna occasionally laugh, and I'm gonna say the things you're not allowed to say. Not because I just want to be provocative, although the truth is often provocative, but because I believe the truth will set you free. All right, before we get into the AdWoke podcast today and we discuss diversity in that D in DEI, I want to get a word in from our sponsor, Riot Energy Drinks. All right, now a recent study showed that social justice warriors burn more calories than the average person. That's right. It turns out being constantly aggrieved, angry, and burning things down can really burn you out. And whether you're trashing a federal courthouse or laying down in front of a minivan full of terrified children on the freeway to fight global warming, you need energy. Lots of it. That's why they invented Riot Energy Drinks. It's chock full of electrolytes, vitamins, and tons of caffeine. Riot Energy Drinks has everything you need to stay woke as you beat down some innocent store owner in a depressed neighborhood while claiming that you believe Black Lives Matter. Don't burn out. Instead, let Riot Energy Drinks fuel your fanaticism. Because let's face it, Mostly peaceful rioting and spitting on black policemen when you're a white progressive that says you're against racism takes a toll on even the most demon-possessed protester. Riot energy drinks. A riot in every can. All right, all right. Don't get too offended. It's just a joke. It's a joke ad. That's all it is. Fake ad. All right. Welcome to AdWoke. Like I said, we're going to talk about the D in DEI and what does diversity mean? really mean when the DEI people say diversity. Now, two years ago, uh, I'm sure we all remember this point in time, diversity, equity, and inclusion literally swept into agencies and Fortune 500 corporations. And it really was accelerated two years ago when George Floyd died uh, because that event supercharged conversations around race and racism and really mainlined and kind of fast-tracked DEI into every institution in America, including corporations. Suddenly, diversity, equity, and inclusion were our new American values. And if your experience was like mine at the time in the ad agency world, there was really no discussion about these new values. They were just kind of imposed. All of a sudden, there were these DEI initiatives that were just kind of installed in corporation after corporation. And I remember at the time, one C-suite ad executive, pretty well-known, said, DEI is the essence of what we do as an agency. And I remember thinking at the time, really? And here I thought you made ads, and that was the essence of what ad agencies do. But that's what DEI is and was. It's a takeover ideology. Uh, Where agencies used to, ad agencies, because that's the world I come from, used to have these core philosophies and they were all different. It became every agency's philosophy, DEI. 
Around that time, DEI consultancies were popping up everywhere, coming into corporations and probably telling you and your corporation that America was systemically racist and that white privilege and whiteness is America's core problem. These were all like new ideas, uh, but you're sitting in these rooms and you're being told that. And then I remember recently it came out that Coke uh, even told its employees, try to be less white. Wow. Okay. Look that up, by the way. It's pretty crazy. And then there were all these new words, all this new DEI lingo that suddenly appeared. Systemic racism, whiteness, white fragility, microaggressions, unconscious bias. And not long after, we started hearing about all these other terms like patriarchy and heteronormativity and cisgendered and intersectionality. And then there was those quirky pronouns you're suddenly being told you ought to declare if you want to be inclusive. It was enough to make your head explode. And you might wonder if this was like a course on critical race theory or intersectionality at Berkeley, Cal Berkeley, but no, it was your corporation. And it felt like it was all meant to somehow be purposely confusing, like some kind of new code speak. And the one thing that seemed clear, at least to me at the time, is that it all felt divisive. Yet everyone just seemed to nod along with it. And it all, again, happened so fast. And though you were told at the time and still are told that DEI is about learning and having honest conversations, albeit uncomfortable conversations, what it really felt like was the imposition of a new value system. And these new values felt antithetical to our traditional American values. And you probably had and still have some questions about DEI, but you can also feel that it's probably best not to ask those questions, right? Because you kind of intuitively know that particularly if you're a, quote, heteronormative, cisgendered white male like me, that too many questions about DEI could make you a target, a target for suspicion, a target maybe even for termination. And another thing you might have noticed about DEI is that this ideology seems to be distinctly political. Sure, the words diversity, equity, and inclusion sound wonderful. They don't sound political. But why is it that this ideology in practice seems to enforce a certain political point of view? One more thing you might have noticed, certain groups count as diverse, quote unquote, while others decidedly don't. And like I said, all of these changes with DEI and the ideology swept in so fast, almost like a cult. And I say cult because the one thing that I've discovered is to publicly ask questions about DEI, which I've done on LinkedIn and on my Substack channel, as many of you guys know, is to raise the ire and wrath of people. Uh, if you ask questions about DEI, and in my case, former friends and coworkers, you know, really, really got upset that I asked questions about DEI. But it is like a cult in that sense, because to question DEI is to have its adherents attack you kind of ruthlessly. And I discovered asking questions about DEI is apparently beyond the pale. But when something is off limits to talk about, I think that means we need to talk about it even more. Like I I think there's something wrong when you can't ask questions about an ideology like DEI. Especially because as many are realizing now, kind of as the dust settles, there is definitely something rotten in the DEI soup. There's this verse in the Bible that I love, and it says you can know a tree by its fruit. So uh, if a tree is called an avocado tree, but it produces oranges, then it's an orange tree. Well, the fruit of DEI, for all its supposedly good intentions, seems to be very negative. Tribalism, racial division, preoccupation with grievance and victimhood. This is what DEI is actually producing. So many have reached out to me uh, to tell their sort of negative experiences with this new racial and gender kind of caste system that's being installed at their ad agency or in their corporation. 
And I have been quite loud in my public opposition for DEI. And I do that knowing that basically I've burned every bridge back to the corporate world that I had. But again, I think that ideas like DEI have to be challenged and interrogated. So today I want to talk about the D in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, What do the DEI practitioners mean when they say diversity? Not in the hypothetical, but in the practical. How does diversity play out as practiced in the ad agency world and in the corporate world? And I want to be fair as we explore this today, as we discuss what the D in DEI really means and how it actually manifests on the ground in the corporation. So let's be fair. Let's start with what the DEI advocates say about diversity. I think the argument goes something like this. Diversity makes the corporation and the business stronger. And why is that true? Well, because diverse people with diverse backgrounds and diverse perspectives helps us all get to better ideas and better solutions. And when we look at corporate America, I think what the DEI advocates or uh, kind of uh, consultancies are saying is, well, corporate America looks awfully white, and wouldn't the company benefit from some different perspectives and some more equitable representation? So the argument's something like that. And this has been the argument, certainly in the ad world, for many years as to why we need diversity in advertising agencies and in the corporate world. It's just going to make the work better. And in fact, when companies better reflect their consumers, they're able to do a better job for those consumers. Uh, for those consumers, sorry. In theory, you know, I, I agree with this. What's not to like about that perspective on diversity? I think that idea makes a lot of sense. We do need diverse opinions in order to make good decisions. And diversity of perspective does strengthen the work in the case of an ad agency or any business. And in fact, I wrote a book on that. It's called Collaborate or Die. Uh, It's on Amazon. And and the whole idea of that book that I wrote was that you need to be open to different perspectives about your ideas when you're creating, if you want that idea to be great. But that's the problem with diversity, as is practiced currently by DEI, uh, the DEI ideology. Diversity of thought is not what DEI advocates are advocating for. And we know this by how it actually plays out on the ground in practice in corporate America. DEI is actually obsessed with two things right? One, that you have a diversity of external attributes like skin color and gender identity. These are things that really you can't control, right? You're, you're, if you're born white, you're white. And if you're born black, you're black. And if you're born with brown skin, you're born with brown skin. Um, so those things are what it really focuses on, those external immutable attributes. But there's a catch. DEI advocates only consider someone truly, quote, diverse if they also have a progressive worldview. Okay, but remember, why were we told that we need diversity? Well, because diversity makes the corporation and the business stronger. Why is that? Well, because, again, diverse people with diverse backgrounds and diverse perspectives helps you get to better ideas and better solutions. So you've probably noticed, like I have noticed and like so many have noticed, that diverse perspectives is not what diversity is about in DEI. It's not how it's practiced, and it's not how it's instituted by corporations. If diversity truly meant different perspectives, then I would support it. So I'm going to give you the actual definition of diversity according to DEI, as practiced currently in corporate America. And it goes something like this. Diversity in practice means everyone looks different but thinks exactly the same. One more time. Diversity means everyone looks different but thinks exactly the same. Because again, to be considered diverse, quote unquote, according to DEI, you must be a progressive Democrat. This is the unspoken rule. That's what diversity really means. You all look different, but you all think the same. And you must think like a leftist 
or you at the very least have to parrot progressive values and talking points publicly. And if you can do that, well, then you're welcome at the table of diversity. If not, you're out. And I want to give you an example outside of the corporate world. Uh, and I think the, a good example of that is Supreme Court Justice Judge Clarence Thomas. Now, Clarence Thomas grew up in the Jim Crow South in an all-white school in the 60s, right? Separate drink, drinking fountains. He was the first black Supreme Court justice way back in the day, right? Back in the, I guess, 80s or 90s. Gosh, I'd have to look that up, but it's been a long time. And he is absolutely loathed by the progressive DEI crowd. But why? He's black. I mean, he's the only black justice on the Supreme Court until Ketanji Brown. And he's not considered diverse at all. In fact, he's considered the devil incarnate, according to the left. And there was no celebration of his achievement as a black man uh, when he became a justice or the fact that he was a big win for diversity when he was elected. And why is that? Well, because again, Judge Clarence Thomas is a conservative. So kind of a funny story when DEI was really coming into the ad agency world, probably 2019, but it had been around for a while, but it was really sort of getting mainlined into my uh, place of work at the time. And I think it was starting to come into lots of corporations at the time. And I had a, a particular DEI instructor. Uh, he was obviously a leftist too, because as the day went on, every time he mentioned a Republican, it was to say something negative. And every time he mentioned a Democrat, it was to praise them and say how great they are. And uh, so he had mentioned somebody like Ronald Reagan. Of course, Ronald Reagan's a horrible man. He you know, prosecuted the drug war in the 80s and put lots of black people in prison. And so he's a bad person. Uh, but whereas Barack Obama and Michelle are awesome, and they have only good things uh, to offer us on the issue of race. And this just went on all day. Uh, and then he kept on bringing up the uh, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor, the Latina justice, and quoting her on issues of race. Because Sotomayor, of course, agreed with his points of view on race. And so finally I raised my hand and just said, you know, I'm just curious. Like, do Republicans have anything noble whatsoever to offer in this race conversation that we're having in America um, because Judge Clarence Thomas is obviously, you know, a black Supreme Court justice, grew up in the 60s and sort of the separate drinking fountains of the South and uh, you know, Jim Crow South, all white school. Surely he would know something about race. And the instructor looked at me and says, I don't know what he thinks. And that was the end of that. He had nothing to say about Judge Clarence Thomas. Now, why is it? Why is it that he wants to quote Sotomayor? Well, because she's a leftist progressive and Clarence Thomas is a conservative. It's that simple. However, remember the reaction when Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown was elected? This is just a month or two ago, I guess now, or a few weeks ago or whatever. It was as if no black person had ever been elected to the Supreme Court before her. The left reacted as if she was actually the first black justice on the court. On LinkedIn, where I spend time and kind of notice what people are posting in the corporate world, Jackson's confirmation was celebrated in hollowed tones. It was as if utopia had arrived and all would be right in the universe now that Ketanji Brown was elected. Now, Ketanji Brown is a black woman, so indeed it was a first on the Supreme Court. But the point is, she is really, truly celebrated and considered, quote, diverse because she's a progressive leftist. If she were not, she would be loathed by the left, too. Imagine if she was conservative. She would not be celebrated as diverse. Again, to be diverse, according to the DEI ideology, you must be a progressive. Another quick example, Larry Elder, who recently ran for governor in California against a white, cisgendered, heteronormative, born with a spoon in his mouth frat boy named Gavin Newsom. And I'm just, again, I'm using all the words that the woke use. Larry Elder, on the other hand, was born in Compton. 
right? He's a radio personality uh, from Los Angeles. He, his nickname is the Sage of South Central. That's where he comes from. Uh, Larry Elder's obviously black. Uh, but the LA Times and an editorial decided to call Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy. Imagine that, the black face of white supremacy. This is in an editorial in the LA Times. Well, why do they call him that? Because he's conservative. Larry Elder would have been the first black governor in California in history. And you talk about diverse, Larry Elder is as rare as they come. He's kind of a black conservative slash libertarian. He'd probably consider himself more of a libertarian. But Larry Elder isn't, quote, diverse, right, quote, unquote, because he's conservative. So the left actually, in the case of the recall in California, preferred a rich, white, privileged, patriarchal dude who owns a winery, but is highly progressive. That's the key. And he's a man of the left. Uh, And so Gavin Newsom... Uh, retain the governorship of California. So now you can kind of see how this works. The DEI crowd will take a white progressive male over a black conservative any day of the week because they don't care about diversity, actually. What they really care about is that people, whatever their color or gender, have a progressive point of view. And if push comes to shove, they'll take a rich, cis, and I'm just using the woke words, white older male for governor so long as he's a radical leftist. So I remember back when the DEI ideology came marching into my particular place of work and I had all the wrong intersectional qualities. I was white, male, conservative. I still am, by the way. Heteronormative, married, and in a very high position in the company. This was not a great combination of intersectional qualities, shall we say. I was the very definition of an oppressor, quote-unquote. And so, of course, I would never qualify as diverse. But I just want to point out how ironic that is. Because if diversity was about having diverse perspectives. And this is the point I want to make again. It's not about having diverse perspectives because if it was, then I was one of the most diverse people in the building. And why do I say that? Well, very few people are married uh, in the advertising world. There are some, but not a lot. Very few of them, not many of them are in their late forties. There's some in the leadership positions, but not many. You know, advertising uh, is a very single kind of youth oriented business, but If we say we believe in diversity of perspective, surely someone in their late 40s, like I was at the time, provides a perspective that a 25-year-old does not. And by the way, there's lots of rich and, uh, you know, sort of 50-year-old consumers out there. They have a lot of money, probably more money than, uh, you know, a 25-year-old kid to spend. So you'd think you'd want some folks of that age in the building on the creative team. That would be good for diversity of perspective, uh, uh, sake, right? But here's the thing uh, that was actually most diverse about me. I'm not even, I haven't even got to the most diverse things. I'm also a Bible-believing Christian working in mainstream advertising. Now, that is a rare thing indeed. Evangelical Bible-believing Christian in mainstream advertising. There's like three of us and two of them are in hiding. I was the chief creative officer of a major agency, and I might have been the only outspoken Christian in that role in all of America. If there was another Christian CCO, I don't know who they are. They're probably out there. I'm sure they are, but but I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure who they are. And I'd say this made me very, quote, unquote, diverse, if it was about perspectives and diverse viewpoints, since about 1% of creatives in advertising are evangelical Christians. I mean, maybe, maybe there's more than that, but I'm telling you, there's not many. But that's only if the D in DEI is about viewpoint diversity. But of course, as we know, diversity is not about that. It's about being progressive. It's not about diverse perspectives. It's not about giving a seat to all kinds of different viewpoints at the diversity table, let's call it, so that the work gets stronger. That's just what they say it's about. In fact, 
Diversity, equity, inclusion, and I'm going to go this far with it, in practice actually acts as a purge program to literally get anyone who isn't a progressive out of the business and out of the building. I think that's the real point of the DEI initiative. It's a program that superimposes a new value system so as to ideologically vet people for their political beliefs and then dispose of those who don't fit in the progressive mold. It's a tool used to divide and conquer. That's truly what it is. So I want to just focus on this for a second. So how does DEI actually kind of divide and conquer and purge people from a corporation? And I'm going to round, I'm going to kind of end here today on this point. Well, this is how DEI does it. DEI purges conservatives, Christians, old school liberals, or people with traditional views, or just people who just disagree, right? Who just think for themselves by forcing them to take progressive positions publicly, whether they agree or not. And this can take many forms. But once DEI gets in the building, you start to get this pressure inside an agency or inside of a corporation, especially if you're a leader, to take public positions. And what are those public positions? Well, it's everything from signing a public DEI commitment or oath at the end of one of these diversity, equity, inclusion uh, consultancies coming to your agency or after taking seminars, you got to sign some commitment publicly. It, it could be feeling forced to publicly support groups like BLM on one's social channels. And we saw a lot of that in 2020. You got to put your black square up or you might be out of the gig or you'll be at the very least suspect, or maybe you have to go along with your company's progressive stances, like say when they commit to flying their employees to abort their baby on the company dime in opposition to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, as Dick's Sporting Goods did, and so many other ad agencies and holding companies. The public display of fealty to progressive values could manifest itself in a million ways. It it also could be putting up your flag, be it the LGBTQAI plus flag, or it could be announcing your pronouns or maybe your vaccine status. We were doing that just a little while ago. These are all ways to make and kind of compel people to make overt public demonstrations. Now, it is especially uh, true if you're a leader I think it's, there's a lot of pressure on leaders. So you take a look at like CEO Bob Chapek of Disney and how he had to kind of prostrate himself before his woke internal employees. That's the kind of environment that DEI creates. It, it, it creates an environment where people feel they got to demonstrate that they're on the right team. And essentially, all of this becomes like litmus test for whether you're on board with the progressive collectivist groupthink bandwagon. And silence really isn't an option, as you might have noticed as well. Uh, Because silence, they'll say, is complicity. Or you'll be told silence is violence. So you, you can't hide. Yes, they want you to get on board with what the progressive mob says or you're not going to be considered quote unquote diverse or inclusive. Now, personally, this is a problem for me because I'm not really a joiner. I really loathe brainless collective group obedience where people say things just because they feel pressured to say them. And that's what I think is going on largely with DEI in a lot of cases. People are saying and publicly taking positions simply to make sure the mob, often the company's woke militant interns, don't come for them. Now, sure, there are those who agree with these progressive values, for sure, inside of these companies, certainly an ad agency is very progressive business. But whether you do or don't agree, everyone knows that the point is you must take these positions publicly or you will arouse suspicion. Because if there's one thing the diversity crowd is highly opposed to, it's diversity of thought. You break from the diversity crowd and the name calling will begin. Conform or be purged. I think DEI is a societal solvent. 
meant to tear apart our human bonds, to make us focus on external differences rather than our intrinsic similarities, which are far greater. There's so much that connects us, right? So much. But DEI focuses on what divides us. It focuses on grievance and resentment and payback and kind of a racial spoil system and a gender spoil system in which we hand out promotions and hire people based on external attributes. And like I said earlier, you know a tree by its fruit. And DEI's fruit isn't good. We're going down a bad road, in my opinion, on race relations in America. And I really think it's tragic. It's so tragic. In my next show, I want to talk about the E in DEI, equity. I want to talk about how, again, it actually really plays out. Not what they say it's about. We'll talk about that too. But how does equity actually really play out in the corporate world? Uh, and so we're going to do that. But I also want to tackle all these other DEI terms, uh, including inclusion. I want to go over that. But also things like white privilege white fragility, uh, to things like model minority, which is thrown out at Asian Americans lately, to even these newfangled pronouns, personal pronouns, we're told we should sign our emails off with if we want to be inclusive, and so much more. There's a lot to unpack here inside of diversity, equity, and inclusion. By the way, why am I doing this AdWoke podcast and, and talking about these things? Is I know many of you in the ad industry and corporate America feel silenced. I know that because you reach out and you email me, Many people reach out, they're frustrated. Uh, sometimes they're scared. They feel cornered. And, and literally nobody speaks up about these issues. I mean, you go on LinkedIn, hardly anybody will, will, will dare speak up against this stuff. And I know what it's like. If you were to speak up against it in your own company, you just kind of get that smiling body snatcher face from HR or your superior who will act like this is all going so swimmingly when in fact, you know they're scared too. They're afraid to say anything. Well, for now, I'm free to speak, and I actually feel I must speak. So it all feels urgent somehow. But I think we're headed down a very dark, racially divided road, thanks to DEI. And I want to look back and say, with God's help, I did what I could do to stop it. So thank you for joining me on the AdWoke podcast today, where we talk about the things that you're not supposed to talk about in corporate America. And I hope you have a great day. Until next time, remember, you're not crazy. They are.